Hey peeps. So I wanted to do first of all before I say anything, thank you again to everybody who has you know, taken time out of their day to listen to my podcast and thank you for everyone who's, you know, given me a positive feedback and said some really amazing things. It 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 helped it helped me. Um, you know, I'm I'm still healing, I'm still on my journey of life as we call it, or self discovery. And believe me, the kind words that you guys say or you guys listening to my podcast and you guys, you know, having your own um, and knowing me, and then, you know, having that opinion of me, it's, it's, it's appreciated, I, I really do appreciate it, so thank you once again, I'm not by any shape, form, means doing this for any fame, or any, like, I, I, I want to, you know, be out there, no, I, my main purpose, you know, two points that I want to emphasize, that were the reasons why I started a podcast, one was, I felt I've for a very, very long time in my life, I've had other people underestimate me. And every time I've trusted someone and told them my story, they've always gone behind my back and manipulated it and used it against me. So I thought, you know, I think now is the time that I can stand in my power and my truth and tell my story from my own, you know, my words and my truth. Um... And this is the second point, the biggest point, which I heavily emphasize is I know this for a fact. I'm not the only one who's gone through things in their life. I'm not the only one who has the dark moments or has seen pain and trauma and suffered consequences of mental health. Okay, I'm not the only one. There's plenty out there and there's much worse. There's there's people out there who've been through much worse. So, you know... There's a lot of people who sit there, even now, there could be someone sitting in their house or some place or under a bridge or over a bridge or wherever, and they could just be sitting there contemplating and saying, you know what, I want to give up on life. I just want to give up on life. So I'm hoping to reach those kind of people and say, if they listen to my story and they get inspired or they have that motivation that, hey, you know, I, I can do this. I can get up. And differentiate that, no, you do want to live your life, but you just want the pain to stop. And there are other people out there, out here that we do understand. So, if I understand, then there's got to be other people like me who do understand and we genuinely care. So, that's that's another big reason. And hopefully, I think the third reason, which is kind of incorporated into the second reason, is... For all those voices that were never heard, for all the stories of those people that gave up because nobody listened to them, nobody took time out to care or make them, you know, heard. And without any word, without anything, they just they just gave up on life. So giving them a voice, giving their stories a voice and, you know, hoping as many people as this as many people that can listen to this and just spread it along and you know maybe it will inspire or motivate or put a smile on someone's face or you know make them think that okay you know I can differentiate I do when I live my life but I just don't want this pain to stop so maybe you know what 
in order for me to have this pain to stop, I can I can reach out and I can talk to someone. I can I can get the help that I need, or I can you know trust someone. I, I can ask for help in simple. Um, of course, from my previous two episodes that I did with that was concerning regarding my story, my life, my experience. Of course, I left it at the fact of you know I was with my son's dad for three and a half years, and then. You know, we. I. I told him to get out. I told him I didn't love him anymore, and this was roughly around about I'd say 2014, uh, beginning. Um. You know, I was single for at least good six months to seven months. Um, I started dating someone actually during that time. And funny enough, I was, again, I was healing at that time. But then I accidentally met someone who turned out to be a loopy case, a completely loop nutcase. And funny, I had the strength at the time to let this person go very quickly because that is not what I wanted. Um, so again, that was only like two, three months that that lasted. Uh, and then, you know, yes... I think at that time I hadn't fully, during that time when my son's dad left, when I told him to get out and we broke it off, I didn't quite process that three and a half years of pain. I didn't process the feelings. I didn't process the hurt. So during that time period where I was single, even if I was dating, I still would consider that being single because I, you know, it is what it is. I hadn't processed the pain and I think it hit me after a good seven, eight months of us being separated. It hit me. The pain hit me. The, you know, the self-worth hit me. The, my lack of confidence hit me. My self-esteem hit me and I shut off. I, I shut off and I went into depression, severe depression uh, my depression, of course, came back and I, you know, my, of course, my son was looked after, but, you know, my house was, I wasn't doing as much. I wasn't cleaning as much. I wasn't paying attention as much. I wasn't even paying attention to myself. I mean, my son was fine. Trust me. My kids never have, no matter what I'm going through, my kids have always had, you know, res I've always taken care of my responsibility. So during that time, of course, I'd spoken to my mother and um, she had spoken to my brother who lived in America at the time, my older brother. And my older brother called me and said, you know what, just leave everything and come over to America. And, you know, I, I will help you get everything and you can make a life over here for you and your son and it's cheaper and I'll find you a job and give me all the dreams and everything like that. And I said, you know what, it sounds too good to be true. But I said, you know, and to be honest, me and my brother have never had a very, we've had a very toxic relationship. He's a very, you know, he lives above his means and he always wants to impress, impress the society and the people around him. He's always, very, he's very cultured and very, you know, oh, what will people think of me and all of that good stuff. And he, he thinks that he, his mindset is like that. And he's very family and cultured and all of that good stuff. Um, We don't get on because of that. Because I cannot stand the entitled nature, uh, entitled attitude, and I cannot stand 
you know, culture and that brainwashing, stereotypical, judgmental kind of type. And I just, I just can't. So me and my brother for a very long time, we had a very up and down relationship. And I knew that I couldn't really trust him. My intuition, my gut feeling would always tell me that I can't trust him. But at this instance, it was like, you know, I think I needed that start. I needed to get out of where I was. And so I spoke to my mom. I spoke to a couple of my friends. And I said, you know, this looks like a good idea. And the tickets are quite cheap as well at this time. And then I thought, you know, I said, I'm not going to take my son at this minute. Because if, you know, my brother, you know, falls up, you know, throws me under the bus, then at least that way I'm on my own and I don't have a young responsibility with me and I can manage to come back and, you know, my son's not dragged into the mess or anything. He's comfortable here. He has his nursery. Mum's amazing with him. You know, I can leave him and I trust her in that sense. I mean, when I say my mother has changed, my mother has changed a lot. Yes, she still has those certain traits, certain things, but it's not something that I can't handle as regards to that's just with me and her. We have a very love and hate relationship. But when it comes to the kids, she is all up for looking at it. Like she loves them. And there is no, I'm not scared. At times she does scare me, but then we're fine, you know. So this was roughly around, you know, I, I spoke and I said to mom, I said, look, I'm just going to go for first six months and I'm going to see how it is. And if I can make a life out there, if I can make a life, then you know what? I'm going to call you and Huss and my son over and then we'll have a setup over there. You know, I'll just see how it goes. And she said, yeah, that's fine. So I left my son with her and I went to America in around about 2015, probably April. April time. I went there and I had my savings and whatnot. And I went there. I left the house that I was in. Actually, funny enough, during that time, my son's dad came back and he was like, oh, can you take the house over? Because it was rented, private rented. And he said, can I, can you take it over? And I said, yeah, whatever. So he took it over and I get, and I left everything. And I told him all my stuff, give it to my mom, but he didn't, he didn't. He actually threw all my shit away. You know, the amount of times that I've restarted my life is incredible. Like, the amount of times I had to go buy myself new clothes. Like, it's just insane. The amount of times I've restarted my life from scratch, like, having practically nothing, and then going to have a lot, and then coming back down again, is almost like, you know how we talk about Trump, and he goes from zilch to a million, a million to zilch, zilch to... That is practically what I've done with my life as well. So, anyways, went out to America. Of course, at the time, I was very religious, so I used to wear hijab and everything, like the scarf and, this, and the scarf and stuff. Um, but when I was going to America, I wasn't feeling it, so I took it off. And I just wanted to live my life freely without any stereotypical, without any judgments, without any opinions. I didn't want any of that. So I took it off, and I just wanted to be free. I realized, you know, religion, culture, and all of that was holding me back from just being me myself and I still needed to discover myself of course I was still struggled with you know um self-esteem confidence and all of that stuff and 
No doubt, you know, I would try and fill the void with different things, whether it be talking to guys every day from different dating apps, whether it be, you know, doing something. I filled those voids. I would never really sit and look at myself or the stuff that I uh, was going through at the time. I wouldn't face the emotions. I was very scared. I was that person. I had a lot of insecurities, a lot of complex issues. And, you know, I just refused to look at that or... The fact that I didn't quite understand it at the time. Anyways, went to America, went to Texas. Of course, started living with my brother for a little bit, but that fell through. Um, of course, he was still the same. There was nothing changed. Fell through, you know, he got me a shitty ass job. He got me, you know, a car that was barely like, yeah, it was a, kind of a lot of money because of the finance and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. And I mean, he... Yeah, he just practically threw me under the fucking bus. And the biggest problem was that I wanted to go out and there was always a curfew. I mean, at the time, it was like, what, 25, 26, and there was always a fucking curfew. Oh, you can't go out here. Oh, if I wanted to go, like, when I went to America, yeah, I would go to work. And then if, if I'm talking to someone, I'd go, like, okay, let's go for a coffee or whatever. He would have an issue. Oh, you're going out with a white guy. Or you're going out with a non-religious. And blah, 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 blah. And, like, it's my life. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. Uh, you know. And then he would insult and humiliate me in front of his friends and his best friend and their family and make me look like a you know a slut or a whore and oh you just spread your legs you're so easy and then he gave me a taunt just like mother like daughter and I was like okay that's it we're done with that bullshit and so I started of course I'd made a couple of friends so I started couch surfing now you know, I met multiple guys in America, it's not like I didn't meet, and it's not that I opened my legs, no, I didn't sleep with all of them, but I met some of them, and we had coffee, and we had a good, good discussions and stuff, but most I didn't quite like. Um, while I was staying, of course, I was couch surfing at a friend's house, and his aunt's house, um, I met my daughter's dad, uh, his name is Bradley. I met him uh, on PRF, of course. Um, we would talk uh, consistently. There was a point where he actually went silent, and I think that was because of work and whatnot. And then we would talk very consistently. And I remember I, I would really push him away. He would always be like, would you go out on a date? And at this point, we hadn't been out on a date at all. I hadn't met him. It took me at least a month to say to meet him and we would always talk and I think the before meeting him I was driving home from work um and I messaged him and I don't know I was driving and I messaged him and I was like very feeling good with our conversation and it was kind of like taken back and I think I said to him I said would you ever stop talking to me and he said no I'll never ever stop talking to you and it kind of made me feel very giddy. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And it was like something I was always looking for. So I said to him, I said, so what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm at a laundrette. I'm washing my laundry. And I said, oh, okay. Which one? He gave me the address. Mm -hmm. And funny, funny enough, <laughs> I drove up to the laundrette and I met him while he was doing his laundry. And... 
he was quite, he was, he was like his pictures, but he was quite like, you know, I could tell there was a lot of like, he was going through something and he'd lost a lot of weight. And it's just like, it wasn't healthy weight. It was unhealthy losing weight. Um, you know, for the first two, three months, we were, we hit it off pretty good. Uh, you know, we had a lot in common and I'm not going to lie, physical aspect, like the features of him, his face, his hands and everything was perfect to what I, you know, I would want. He was like, what, an inch taller than me, about 5'8", and his built was just the, the kind of built that I want and the physical aspect of him was, was, was exactly what I wanted in a guy. And yes, he he did woo me a couple of times, and the biggest thing was he had a he had a car, a racing car, which was like an old fashioned Pontiac GDO, which was it had like a V four engine, or I can't remember exactly what engine. So I was pretty impressed by that. So I think it was the first two three months. Yeah, we were talking, and then after you know it was a sudden shift. Um, I remember we. At, it wasn't actually no. It wasn't even three months. I correct uh, correction. We spoke close to the end of October. We met around November, uh, end of November, and I remember uh, a few weeks after that, he actually did take me to see his grandmother, who actually was uh, dying of cancer. She died on Christmas Day, uh, I believe, twenty fifteen. Yeah, she she died on Christmas Day. Um, but before she passed away, he took me. Um, well, he asked me to drive him, and I drove him to her to the family house in Texas, and uh, which was his uncle's house. And um, I said to him, "You go to your grandma's," and he was like, "Why don't you come along?" I said, "It's only been a couple of weeks," and I said, "I just I don't know. I mean, are you comfortable with me coming into your family's place?" and you know, is it appropriate? Is the right time? He said, yes. Yes, it is. So, you know, I met his uncle, his aunts and his cousins. And then I saw his grandmother. Of course, she she was by this point, she was she was just, you know, 98 percent gone um, due to cancer. Um, she couldn't talk. She couldn't hear. She she was a vegetable, basically, unfortunately. Um, and he was quite close to his grandmother very, very close to her. Um, she practically raised him. So he was quite upset. And, you know, after that, I comforted him, you know, said, I, I, I kind of didn't know what to say. But, you know, I, I, I kind of felt his pain. And I, you know, I, I, I was there for him at that time. And, you know, after that, we, of course, we, we started eventually just going in a full on relationship, we were committed um, to, to a certain, yeah, we were committed. I think it was January. He, in that whole entire relationship, that relationship was for five years. Two years of that, we were married officially. And we still currently, I mean, by law, yes. And I've already, um, I'll get into the depths of that later. But we were, yeah, we were, we married in America, in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Our relationship was very, very volatile. Um, was very aggressive, was very physical. There was, he used, he bought out a very insecure, scared, 
side of me um through his actions uh the way he was he would always give me the silent treatment he would always question he would always call me ugly he would always make me feel i was worthless again it was kind of like a repeating pattern from my previous relationship and by this point you know i think I was still in America. We had he asked me to move in. I even confirmed with him. I said, Do you really want me to move in with you? And he said, Yes, I do. Um this was around February time. You know, of course it was very hard for me because my son's birthday is on January the first and um of course his grandmother just died. He wanted to go out and spend time with his friends, but I needed him because I wasn't there for my son physically. I spoke to him and Skype wished him happy birthday, but I was still upset as a mother. He chose not to be there, so I spent that day just crying by myself and consoling myself. Um you know, I I kind of felt bitter because I was like, why can he not just spend time with me? Why can he not see that I need him right now the most? And I think that was the first red flag that I avoided to see. That I didn't see. And slowly after that, you know, my birthday came. Um, Of course, his birthday came, which was on June 12th. And I'm not going to lie, but. I got him a new uh, PS4, I got him clothes, I got him a wallet, I got him so much stuff on his birthday, it was unreal. Um, And on my birthday, on my birthday he chose to go to his best friend's house and ignored me and blanked me. I didn't even get a happy birthday, I didn't get nothing. And when I drove up after work to his best friend's house and I looked at him and I said, are you serious right now? Are you fucking kidding me? He was like, what? I said, it's my birthday. I thought we could spend some time. And he was like, well, it's my best friend's birthday tomorrow. So I thought I'll have some drinks with him. I was like, but what? It didn't make sense. Anyways, I, I left. I drove home and I was like, fuck it. And... Yeah, I didn't get anything on my birthday. I, you know, it was it was just another shitty. It just reminded me of my past. My past was the same. I never got anything from my son's dad on my birthday. Never at all. Um, or any occasion for that for that matter. Um, I kind of started noticing my intuition. My gut would always tell me he he had a habit of shutting down. He had a habit of not not like he had emotionally shut down he had become very violent very aggressive not just with his hands but also with his mouth um there was i started discovering slowly bit by bit that he had a very very traumatic childhood he had an awful childhood, not just him, but his twin sister and, you know, their his parents were drug addicts and whatnot. Um, his mother was bipolar, schizo. She was on medication. And I think he had picked up those tendencies and I realized that later on that he actually did have manic depressive, dis- manic depress- depression and um, he was severely bipolar, uh, very very like he had the same tendencies as his mom but it was a bit more worse 
I mean, in the past, he told me that his ex-girlfriend, she lied and he was done for domestic abuse, but she, well, she filed domestic abuse, but um, he said that it wasn't true. Um, But I think later on, I found out that it was true uh, because I spoke to her and she told me that it was true. Um, he would always blame her, say, oh, she had manic depressive depression and she was insane and whatnot. But to be honest with you, whenever, like, I would see that girl, she was a fashion designer. She made herself something so big. So I couldn't see that thing in her. I, I couldn't see what he used to say about her. Um, I remember a couple of times, like, he would say her name in her in his dreams or, you know, he once accidentally during... Yeah, we were doing it, and he said her name, which was very awkward at that minute. I wanted to fucking kill him, but yeah, that, that, that I let it let it go. That was how dumb I was at the time, naive and gullible, to the finest. Um, as time got worse, I got more. As time went by, sorry, things got worse. Um, I. I started to feel more anxious, more anxiety. I trip, I stepped on eggshells. Again, it was pretty much like my previous relationship. I started being scared. Um, the amount of times that he would literally push me off of him, like, you know, how a girlfriend and a boyfriend would be like, you know, a girlfriend would come up to you, hug you or touch you in a sexual way and be like, hey, are you in the mood? Like, you know, it's one of those kind of things. And he would literally push me off of him or shove me off and slap slap my hand away and tell me to fuck off and then start giving me the silent treatment to the points where I would go sleep. We were living in a house where there was a roommate, so I would actually go into the communal living room and sleep on the couch. Um... Then there was times where he would give me the utter, like, it started becoming a pattern with me as well. It kind of developed in me and it was bad, but it was kind of, I justified in a way that it was retaliation to the disrespect. But the thing was, it was kind of my fault because I had not put those boundaries up. I was allowing what happened in my past to happen again, um, because again, I wasn't healed. I had not processed the trauma, the pain, everything. I had not set up healthy boundaries. I didn't know who I was. I was still suffering. I still had issues with insecurity, self-esteem, lack of confidence. I didn't believe in myself. I thought this is normal. This is what life is. This is what love is. This is what being in a relationship is. This is what I thought. I didn't know anything better. And at this point, I didn't really realize that I had mental health or anything like that. So, you know, um, there was, we started looking for an apartment together and we found one and we moved in from the get go. Again, there was loads of arguments on everything, you know, but the biggest was, which I, I was very, like, it, it shook me, was when we moved in, all the all the things that we needed, like, furniture and stuff. Just, he got the apartment, we found the apartment through his old childhood friends. And one of them, uh, they're both a couple, but she used to have a crush on uh, my, you know, Bradley. And... 
she always had a crush. She just had this vibe about her that she still wanted her wanted him. And how I knew this and my gut would tell me was when the time came for like getting the furniture and stuff. Rather than asking me or making the plan with me or involving me, he would text her and call her and say, oh, what do you think about going to this place and we get this sofa? What kind of sofa do you think we should get? Like he was planning with her. And when I caught this out and I asked him straight up and I literally, it was a fight. I said to him, I said, you have absolute no respect for the fact this is our place and you have not once asked me what kind of furniture. This is ours. So I should be the first priority that you should be asking me, not another person. Like, how can you be asking another person? And he was like, oh, you're crazy. So what, you can find things cheaper and blah, blah, blah. And then we had a very, very big argument and... He walked into into the bedroom and I went right behind him. My problem, and I still suffer from, I'm trying to get over this, is I hate the fact when someone walks away from me or when someone starts giving me the silent treatment. It triggers me more. It upsets me more because I am a firm believer in you can talk out things like an adult and that is the most healthiest thing that you can do. So I need someone to talk. I, I can't stand silent treatments. It's one of those things that I just absolutely fucking hate. So anyways, I followed him and he literally grabbed me and he flung me across the room. And I had bruise, I had a very big bruise on my side. And he's done this before and he done it in front of his roommate where he literally shoved me, uh, threw me against the wall and I had bruises in my arms and my legs and he jumped off the balcony mm-hmm. because like, you know, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and this was the second time where he literally started pushing and shoving me and cursing, spitting in my face and shouting in my face and calling me everything. And I was just crying and just, just whimpering and like a, like a pretty much like a scared dog, you could say. And he was like, you're worthless. You're this, you're not just putting me down to the point. He was, have you seen yourself? If it was not because of me, you wouldn't be anywhere. You know, I'm the one who does this and I'm the one just really vile. And he turned around and he said something, um, along the lines of like, you're better off, you know, you're better off gone or something. Yeah, I can't clearly remember something saying you're better off dead and whatnot. And I went to the kitchen and I grabbed a knife and I said, okay. I, I literally took a 360. I I didn't know what to think. I I'd literally, and I went and I said, okay, fine. If that's the case, then I'll just send myself. And he stopped when he grabbed me and he said, no, baby, no, baby, I love you. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't, 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 don't. I was literally like, I'm, I'm going to be fine, better often than that's it. I'm done. You know, it is what it is. I mean, you don't understand the fact that I'm a mother. I'm without my son for so many months right now. And I'm trying my hardest to build a life. And I'm trying my hardest to earn the money. I, I don't have a visa right now. I don't have anything. And everything is falling. The stress, everything is falling on me. And you just sit there and you abuse and you emotionally, mentally, physically fucking drain me. And you just expect me to take it every fucking time. You can't be an adult to talk to me. So fine. If this is what it is, if this is what I need. This is what I deserve out of life, then I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna be here. 
Anyways, I stopped. And he took the knife off me, put it away. And he was like, I'm leaving. And I was like, I, I, I tried to stop him and I sat. And he started recording me. Which was the first time he started doing this. And this... This was very hurtful to me. He started recording me and started saying, look at this crazy bitch. Look at how she's acting. Look at how she's behaving. And this is what I'm going to keep this proof and blah, blah, blah. And I would stay quiet. And then, you know, he said, we're over. And I said, okay, fine. I slept in the living room for a few days. I contacted one of my old friends who actually didn't like him at all. And they always, his aunt even told me, uh, said to me that he he just is not good for you. You deserve so much better. I don't know what you see in him. And I took my stuff and I took the PS4 that I got him. And that was me being kind of resent, bitter, bitter, bitterful, bitter. I shouldn't have, I should have just left it. And I took that and I took, you know, and I just left and I went to, the, I went to my friend's aunt's house and she just gave me, she told me one thing. She just said one thing. She listened to everything and I was crying and she said, if you leave my house for him again, you will never, ever come back here. I will never have the doors open for you. And I looked at her tonight and she said, you deserve a lot better, but you can't see it yourself. You are going back to cycle an abusive relationship, but you deserve better and you need to wake up to it. Anyways, um, I think about a week passed and I wasn't talking to him or anything. I didn't call him nothing at all. We, we were not talking and I went to work. Funny enough, I'd got a ticket, so I'd actually got, had to go to the court to pay the ticket, and I came outside, and it was raining, slightly raining, slightly sunny, and I sat in the car, and this song came on. Till that moment, I'd, suppre I'd suppressed my feelings and emotions. I, I tried not feeling. I'd gone numb. My friend's aunt even said to me, she was like, I really want to shake you because you have absolute no emotions right now. You can't feel... Like, I really, I really want you to wake up and I want you to feel something. You're just crying, but you're not talking. You're not expressing. You're not, you are not feeling. You are empty, just very cold. And my answer would always be, I'm used to this. It is what it is. So anyways, that day when I went to the court, came out raining, slightly sunshine, sat in my car and this song came on and I just started crying and screaming in the car because I kind of missed him. So I wrote a text to him. And I said you know what. I wish you all the best. I don't wish any bad on you. And I do miss you. And you know I wrote that. And I sent it. And then I went to work that morning. And a few hours later. I got a text for him, from him. Saying. You're a whore. Why he said that was because he tried to hack into my Facebook and he saw that like a friend of mine had messaged me a topless picture, which I had actually commented under and I said to him that this is very inappropriate. I don't want to see your topless picture. Please, can you not send me shit like that? 
And he saw that and that was his response to my message that I sent, the nice message that I sent in the morning after a week. Um, You're a whore and I can't believe you moved. It was so quick for you to move on and blah, blah, blah. I fell into a cycle again because I smiled to myself. I was like, oh, you still love me. Okay. So that kind of like, you know, again, I'm the victim. He's the abuser. It's easy to fall back into that pattern that that cycle of course I went back to him he you know that same day in the evening I went up to the house the apartment I knocked on the door and he opened and I could tell he'd been crying and he his eyes were bloodshot red and they he'd been crying a lot we made up we of course you know he said he loves me and I love him and he said I I said I love him and he said to me you're the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life and if I lost you you know I I don't know what I'd do without you I I'd be I'd I'd I just don't know what I'd do you 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 keep me afloat when he said all these things I felt sorry for him because again I'm an empath so it's like you know I've seen so much pain in my life and I he was hurting and I felt, yeah, no, I, w- I want to fix you. I, I want to do what I can so you don't feel that pain and I'll take that pain and give you my happiness. So, of course, we planned a little getaway. We went to another town. Uh, he was working, but, you know, we went to another town called uh, Corpus Christi. Those two weeks, when I say those two weeks were bliss they were bliss he did everything perfectly everything he 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 loved me he was nice he was courteous we went out we had dates you know it was amazing those two weeks and I really thought oh he changed when those two weeks ended my world came crashing down so hard so hard it was unreal because he ended up quitting his job and it was a good job that he had. He ended up quitting his job. I started financially supporting him. I started doing everything that and I started going to work. I would come back and cook and he wouldn't eat the food I'd make. And I'm not going to lie, but anyone who's tried my food, they've never ever complained. But he would always find an excuse. Um... He started complaining about my food, so I would spend money every day to get a takeaway for him, so at least he's eaten. Um, You know, he'd make impulsive decisions. He wants to be a gamer one day. So I go out and I buy him all the gaming equipment for the computer and his favorite stuff, and he'd start gaming. He smoked weed a lot, so of course I'd spend money on weed. You know, uh, he wanted, I would always buy him gifts, I'd always pamper him, spoil him. Yeah, I did the, the works, okay? I I was blinded, completely blinded. I knew my gut was telling me otherwise, but I just wasn't aware to listen to this. To listen to myself. Anyways, this went on for a couple of months. Our sexual life was gone, kaput. Even the times when I would ask him, hey, are you in the mood? Like, come on. And he would say no. 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 And he would just spend the entire night playing games. On uh, playing on his computer hours and hours and hours and just ignore me, not even talk to me, not even communicate, not even spend time with me, nothing. There was no sex, no kissing, no hugging, nothing. We were just, yeah, it wasn't there. 
And there was just arguments over arguments over arguments, physicalness, silent treatments, again, belittling me, degrading me, calling me a whore, calling me a slut, saying I'm the worst person, and just, just completely degrading every part of me that he could. Then there came a time... His sister, his twin sister messaged and she kind of, because I think he told her. And she said, why don't you come down to Missouri, leave everything and have a fresh start and whatnot. And I, he, he told me and I said, look, we should go. I mean, you might, you never know, you might find a better job over there. You might have some motivation. We can do this, you know. And so we decided to go. So we packed everything, we, 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 we did everything that we could, and we went to Missouri, his hometown. I left my job. It was a cash-in-hand job because I didn't have a visa. And I went over there to his hometown. When I got to his hometown, I had a shit ton of shit waiting for me. This is where things got rapidly worse than what I could ever imagine. You know, I was in a house. Of course, we went to his sister's house. His sister has two kids and a her boyfriend at the time. Um, I didn't realize that his sister was actually a drug addict. She had actually been doing meth, meth, uh uh amphetamine with the next door neighbor and also cheating with the next door neighbor there were laundry piled from six months there was no food nothing you know so i took over out of my out of the kindness of the fact that they had given me a roof over their head and i took over and i helped with the laundry i helped with the kids i helped with the food and you know uh groceries and whatnot i i did what i could living under that roof um yes the cheating part came out the drug part came out and when that did come out at the time bradley was pretty much like he shut down and i had a conversation with him and i said look that's your sister um, he goes, what am I meant to say to her? I said, I don't know, but that's your sister. And I think you need to have a conversation as, as you're the eldest twin. I think you need to have a conversation and see where she's at. Maybe it's because of depression, maybe post, because it only been a year since she's given a birth and it could have been post, you know, post stress after, um, pregnancy after giving birth. Um, you know, they had a lot of fights between them two, uh, the sister and her boyfriend. And he was like, you cheated on me. And it was quite, it was quite serious. But he, my, my, my boyfriend at the time, he didn't, he would not speak to her. He kept silent. He, he just didn't want to get involved. And I actually had a conversation with his sister and the boyfriend. I said, please don't involve Bradley into your shit because he will go off at me. He will take it out of me. I am the punching bag. I am the, you know, I get emotionally abused. And I said, I'm not ready for that because one, I don't have family here. Two, I'm an, under a lot of stress at this minute. I just can't, I can't take one more shit. No. They didn't stop. They would call him. They would tell him, oh, she's done this. It's like the boyfriend called, she's done this. And then his sister would call, oh, yeah, he's done this. And I don't want And she always had an attitude. Always, always fucking had an attitude. And I'm not going to lie, but their house wasn't the greatest. I mean, it is what it is. There was this one day where everything hit the roof. 
shit just hit the roof. Something happened between his sister and the boyfriend, and she called Bradley up and told him, and I and I looked. I could hear Bradley's voice. He was getting angry and angry and angry, and I asked him. I said, "What's up? What happened?" And he was like, "Just shut the fuck up and get the fuck away from me." And I was like, "Okay." I knew when to stop, so I turned around and I went outside. I had a cigarette. And then I came back and went to the room and I looked at him. I said, unless until you don't talk to me, we cannot get over this. Why are you taking out their shit on me? I don't need to, I, I don't deserve that. And he went ape shit. When I say ape shit, he got everything and he left. He said, I'm leaving. And I said, you're leaving me? He goes, yeah, I'm leaving every fucking thing. I don't fucking give a shit. Find your own way. And I said, but I'm in your sister's house. This is not even my family. How can you fucking leave? He left. And it was blistering hot. So the temperatures were roughly around uh, close to 50. And that is, you uh, you know, uh, actually look up if you can. Google it. It's in Kansas City. And it's about like 112, 113 something. Something close to that heat range. Fahrenheit or centigrade or whatever. He left in that blistering heat. His dad came home because I told his sister and I said, well, he's gone and I can't find him. He didn't take his truck. So his dad afterward came and said, where's Bradley? And I said, I honestly do not know. He just left and that's it. So he's like, are you going to go look for him? I said, well, I'm letting him cool off. I, there was no point. He's going to go off at me. So anyways, I got into the truck and I drove and I kind of knew where he was. Uh, I drove up to his parents' trailer and he was actually sitting outside in the blistering heat with a warm hoodie on. So I drove up and I parked and I was looking at him and he came, he literally came running towards the truck and he was like, get the fuck out of the truck. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get out of the truck. He was like, this is my truck. And I was like, yes, but I ain't walking home, you know. So he came over to the driver's side, he yanked the keys out, he pulled me by my hair and my clothes onto the pavement. He didn't realize when he was shutting the car door, the car door literally hit my head and I was on the floor. And funny, his dad had just pulled up right behind and saw everything. He drove off. His dad came over, picked me up, and we went inside. And his dad had a habit of emotionally shutting off as well. Although he was saying to me he shouldn't have done that. I've never known him to put his hand on a woman and that that's just unacceptable. And you're such a nice girl. He should he should be treating you better and this is awful. And then he just turned around and said, you know, I think you should go back. And I think you shouldn't be with him. And, you know, he, he doesn't deserve you and whatnot and then you know he was like if I had the money I'll take you back to England myself he, you know his dad was nice no matter what his dad did in the past the drug addict and whatnot he was on the mends of being better he was getting older and he he, he was you know he was nice anyways uh Bradley phoned me said it's over and I said okay so his dad took me back to his sister's house and at that time I called my mom and I said, you know what, I need some ticket money so I can come back. She said, give me some time, I'm going to arrange it. And I said, okay. And I was sitting on the couch and I was just waiting and I got a phone call from his dad, from Bradley's dad's mobile. Of course, I thought it was his dad, so I answered 
and it was him. He was like, come outside. And I was like, why? He goes, just, just, just come outside, please. And so I went outside and he was sitting in the truck and I got into the truck and he drove and we drove to a gas station and we parked up in the corner and he just burst it out crying. And he cried and cried and cried and cried. And I was like, and I hugged him and I said, why are you crying? He goes, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for what I did to you. I am so sorry that I let this happen. It's just, I'm finding it hard to accept everything. I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know. You don't deserve this. And, you know, we don't deserve this. You're the best thing in my life. And again, you know, you're the best thing in my life. The best thing that's ever happened to me. And I can't, I don't know how to treat you better or how to treat you all in all. You're the best person. You're lovely and you've been my my support you've been my rock you've you've been there for me through it all and you i've i've treated you like worse than a worse than a dog like i'll treat a dog better than i treated you and i forgave him cuz i didn't know anything better i forgave him and nothing changed maybe for a day or two or a week things changed but nothing changed. It got to a point where every time he, well, it got to a point where he started talking to other women on Snapchat. He would take his phone to the bathroom and I could hear him taking pictures and my gut instinct told me instantly to the point where it was at four o'clock in the morning and his phone was open and I checked and there was images that I saw and I woke him up and I was like, what the fuck? And at this point we were at his parents' trailer. We lived with his parents and I was like, what the fuck is this, Bradley? And he was like, why did you take my phone? You're, you're invading my privacy. And he ended up calling the cops on me at 4 o'clock in the morning. Now the cops got there and they started laughing and they took me to one side and they said, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. They're like, this is a civil matter. We just like, he's just wasted our time. This has got nothing to do with us. And I hope you all keep safe and I hope you're fine. And they drove off and they were literally laughing at him. Anyways, that went, and then, you know, his mother started bitching about me. Of course, I've told you his mother suffered from bi bipolar and schizophrenia. Uh, she started bitching about me. She even actually had the audacity once to actually chuck a fucking plate at me and chuck an apple at me, which was funny, actually. I laughed inside, but yeah, she did that to me because I couldn't find a job quicker and I was sitting on my ass all day which wasn't the case because I used to clean, I used to cook, I used to mow the lawn, which I never knew how to do. I used to go and do the groceries or do whatever I could to help out because they gave me a roof over my head and I was very, very grateful. So I did what I could. You know, I would fix things and whatnot. Um, things started getting badder where he would still record me every time we're having an argument and I'm trying to get my point across. He would make a recording and say, I'm going to send this to my friends and my sister and da da da. And he would laugh at me and he would do the same with his mother. They never got on and he, whenever his mother had an episode, he would start recording and laughing at her and say, Oh, look, they're crazy bitch. And then it got to a point where his parents kicked us out of the house because of his behavior 
And we were sitting in the truck and he was like, what the fuck are we meant to do now? And funny enough, at that time, I had made a friend who was actually a manager or an owner of a motel. So I went to the guy and I spoke to him because he was Indian. And I said to him, look, I just need a job. I'll work whatever hours you want. And I need a room over my head. And you can take the rent out of my paycheck, whatever you pay me. And he said, okay. But the job was for both of us, me and my boyfriend at the time. But Bradley slept the entire day, the entire night. He wouldn't help with shit. I used to work 16 hours a day cleaning rooms, lugging laundry, cleaning other people's shit. To the point where there were a couple of guys that were regulars. And they would see me doing everything. And they would ask, like, do you have anyone to help you? And I was like, no, my boyfriend, well, he's suffering depression and stuff. And he's gone through a lot, so he's sleeping inside. And they would literally say, he's a bitch. And you deserve so much better. What the fuck are you doing? I've had so many people say that to me. Um, there'll be times you were struggling to have food or eat. Um, and every time I would, the stress would get to me and we'd have an argument. He would uh, turn around and just start recording me. Or, you know, um, go down, go outside and start calling the police on me, making me look like I'm some kind of crazy psycho bitch. So then, you know, I was like, you know what? He didn't want to look for a job. He didn't want to do anything. And I was like, this is not working out. I've stayed here enough. I, you know, I've stayed here long enough. My son, he's growing up without me and that can't happen. It, 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 it had almost been two years. So I decided, I said, you know what, we're going to go back to England. I got the money together. I had to ask one of the fa my family members for that money. And I got his visa, his visa done. I got my tickets and everything. And we came back to England on July the 7th, 2017. And mind you, before that, let me just tell you, when we got married, the day that we got married was on the 5th of June. Sorry, 5th of May, 2017, in Kansas City, Missouri. This is how our wedding day went. I didn't even ask to get married. He asked me to marry him. He said, would you marry me? And I said, yes. Because at the time, I was thinking, if I marry him, of course, not only the fact that I'm going to be with him, but the fact that, you know, uh, I'll be able to get my visa, my visa and all of that s stuff sorted over there so then I can get a proper job anyways he asked me and I said yes now he said okay so we're just gonna have a simple thing going to the court and doing it and I was like okay I don't want too much show either the day that we were supposed to he told me to book everything and I did everything I took the timings of the court and everything and booked the day he was working and the timing fell in between his lunchtime I somehow made my way to the courthouse and he came and he was effing and blinding and fuming. Literally, if you do not get a job after this, you're a bitch. You know, I've done so much for you. I've put up with your shit. Have you seen your face? You are so unattractive and I'm marrying your ugly fucking face. You're so this, you're that. Have 
everything, everything you could think of that day on our wedding day, I heard to the point um, I got an, I got the location wrong of the minister because once we went to the court, we had to go to the minister, which was a separate area. And I got the address wrong. And he was like, you can't even do simple instructions like this properly. You can't even take me to a goddamn proper address. And you're useless. What the fuck are you? And he was like, if you don't get a job after this. And if you don't get this. And if you don't get that. You're fucking out. I will leave you on the streets. I will leave your bitch ass on the street. And blah, blah, blah. Everything that you could think of, he said. And when I, when we went to the minister... I stood in front of the minister, he was a lady. I don't know how I held back the tears that I had and she could see them. My eyes were red and I was just, yeah, it was un unexplainable, but you could tell from my face that I was, I was, I was breaking. Anyways, we got married and yeah, it, it was, it was nothing special. So anyways, 2017, uh, July the 7th, we came back to England. And of course, we came to mum's house. And of course, I'd introduced him to my son, and my mom. And it was okay for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, he was in depression again. And like I said, manic depress depression, that's what he had, which I found out later on. And he had bipolar. Um, so... He would always put the gun on my shoulders and fire towards my mom. Uh, he always had an issue. So for the first month, after the first month, now as I was back in London, <laughs> this was funny. We had an argument. He said something to me and he was going back and forth and I told him, get the fuck out of the house. I literally said to him, get the fuck out. You can go to the American embassy and you can get yourself fucking deported. You can have, they will send you back. I don't want you in my fucking house. Not in front of my son. He left for the night and he went to some, like he went to some Asians and they, they kind of pitied him and they let him uh, in their house and they, he slept over there or whatever. That's the story he told, and that's the story he told me. Anyways, I was going to work the next day because funny um, I had landed a job within the first three weeks of me being back. I landed a good job and I started working and he started calling me the next day. He was like, I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm just stressed. This is all new to me. This is a new place and I don't have a job and I can't support you. And you guys have done so much for me. Mom's accepted me. Please, you're my wife and I love you. You're the love of my life and blah and you're just everything, everything he said to me that he could to get me back. And I, I, I put the phone down. I went into work and I showed the security guards at my work. I showed his picture and I said, he is not allowed in the store because his message to me was, I'm coming to your workplace. You are mine and you are my wife. This is not over. Um, so I got a bit scared because it's a new job and I didn't want him creating a fuss. And so I told the security guards and they said, okay. He didn't come in, of course. He did. He didn't have the guts to come in. But he did come back home. After my work, he came back home. We had a discussion. I had a discussion in front of my mom. My mom consoled him. My mom made him understand. And I did too. And everything was fine. You know, we started... Everything started looking up. We started going on dates. 
we we started you know enjoying but of course i was the financial support for the first get-go um you know i would i whatever money i earned i followed his visa his stay his biometrics i got him the residential card i got him everything that you could think of from his clothes his cigarettes his weed his food everything i supported him for at least a year and a half when we landed back in 2018 he finally and even the job that he got after he got his visa and everything was because of me because i was looking for jobs on in indeed for him so he got a job at a as a as a um uh at richmond park golf as a groundskeeper um and it was very good pay it was like two and a half grand a month and they hired him because of his experience and you know he started looking better he started doing better and you know but then he started you know i i felt the distance but not quite yet and he did change i'm not gonna lie he he did change he showed me a side to him that i i i i knew and um when he got this job he started working I found out I was pregnant uh, at the end of 2017. I found out, well, beginning of 2018, I found out I was pregnant with Ava. And he was super excited. He was so happy. And, you know, finally he got a job and whatnot. And then, of course, pregnancy happened, went you know, um, during when I, while I was pregnant, everything was fine. He, he would look after and whatnot. And then, you know, there were a couple of times things that didn't add up. So once I had Ava, it was like, she was a trophy for him. I remember in the delivery room, he held her and the nurses looked at him weirdly because he held her like as if she was a trophy, like as if she was a prize. And they kind of found it very creepy. The nurses really looked at him like that. Anyways. Um, yeah, he started... His paranoia and his depression bipolar started kicking in. He would look at me sideways as if I am about to harm Ava. But she's my... Don't forget, she's my second child. So it's very quick for me to pick her up and clean her bum and whatever. And I'm kind of used to it now. So I know what kind of pressure to put in and what how to hold her. And of course, I'm a mom. And he would always look at me as a side, think as if I'm hurting her. Or, you know, she has this birthmark on her leg. And he asked me one day, he was like, did you hit her? And I literally looked at him and I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Did you really ask me that? Did I hit her? Then... This is where everything started to fall apart. He started going and spending time with his manager at the time who had become his friend. And he told me that he lived in a house with an old lady. But that wasn't the case. And of course he had, his friend had a girlfriend. That wasn't the case. He... The place that his friend lived at, there were seven other roommates living with him. They were all all girls. Out of those seven roommates, there was only one girl that I knew. And how I knew was, it was on my Facebook. 
um, because we were both married, of course, our relationship status was on Facebook and we had mutual friends and whatnot, his sister and whatever, family members. And um, a girl popped up on my suggested list, suggested friends list. And he was mutual friends with her. So I had a look. Curiosity killed the cat. So I had a look. And she didn't work with him. There was no connection. But then she was friends with his manager. Then I found out they actually lived together. I was like, okay. Now, my gut instinct started playing. I was like, well, this doesn't make sense. Because the cup, he went over to his friend's house twice. And he went at seven and he said, and they were drinking. And then all of a sudden after 12 or 11, his phone switched off suddenly. And there was no, nothing. Like I wouldn't pester him. Like I, I randomly messaged him at 12 and I said, hey, uh, I've ordered food for dinner. So I've put it in the oven. So whenever you're home, just make sure you look in the oven and, you know, I'm going to go to bed. So good night and love you. And I leave it, but the message hasn't gone through. And then also remembering the fact that he has to be up at 7 o'clock to leave his job, leave for work. So or got, I would wake up at about 6 or 5 because of Ava. And twice he came back, like 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And he was like, oh shit, my bad, I'm so sorry. My phone had died. And what? Okay, your phone died, but your friend doesn't have a charger? Okay, that's just bullshit right there. Your friend doesn't have a fucking charger, same as yours. No, I did no. Because I was the one who bought him the phone for the anniversary, the Samsung the Samsung phone, the latest one, and his friend had the same one. So they practically had the same fucking charger. I found out he'd actually, for one week, been sleeping with that girl. And I found out after he'd left. Then he attended. Um, there was a manager's. Uh, not a manager, sorry. There was a staff, a staff party at Christmas. Close to Christmas time. And he went. And like I messaged him at some point at around about. No, I didn't message him actually. Sorry, he rang me around about one o'clock at night. And I'm not the, I've never ever messaged my people that I've been with, where are you, what are you doing? No, I ex expect you to message and tell me out of respect that, you know, I'm going to be home at this time or, hey, I miss you or I'm thinking about you. That's just normal for me to expect. He phoned me at one. He was like, oh, this stuff party is so good. And like, you know, we're at a bar. I'm going to be home soon. And then I heard a girl's voice in the background. And he was practically saying over the phone, shh, don't talk, shh. And I heard that. And then I, was, I just put the phone down. Then he called me back. He goes, what's up? I said, nothing, nothing. It's fine. I said, when are you going to be home? Because I'm about to go to sleep. It's late. I don't, I barely get any sleep with Ava. He was like, I'm, I'm going to come home any minute. I'm getting a taxi. I was like, okay. This was four hours ago. And then he rang me four hours later, like around about five o'clock saying, I'm lost. I need an Uber. Uh, we ended up going to a club and blah, blah, blah. And he was drunk, smashed out of his head. 
So I did an Uber for him at five o'clock and I got him home through that Uber. And then he went to the toilet and I came after and I sat down. And I said, so how was your night? Did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? And he was like, yeah. And then he started showing me videos. And there was this one one video that he quickly pulled away. And there was a, practically a girl trying to kiss him. And he pulled that away. And then he started talking all just very like girls this and girls that. And I was just, I went very quiet. And I just, I emotionally shut off. I stopped feeling, stopped questioning. Because I knew. And he was like, where are you going? And I, don't you believe me? And I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. You do you. Enjoy. And I went to bed. And during this time, we very rarely had any after Ava, our sexual life had gone because he would look at me and I remember still him saying this because I was in the mood once and he said to me, I'm sorry, I can't touch you because your stretch marks and your chub, like I know, but I just can't touch you because you're very unattractive at this minute and I find it very ugly. Um, so I don't feel, I don't want to have anything with you. And if he did, he would literally... He would literally turn me over and so that he couldn't see my face or my body. He wouldn't touch my stomach and he would do what he had to do from behind. Just done. That's it. Done. He then started threatening me whenever we would have an argument. Um, he would grab Ava from me. I remember when it got really serious. He grabbed Ava from my hands and he put his hands around my throat. Um, and he said, I'm going to take her away from you. I'm going to go back to America and she's going to grow up knowing what a bitch you are, what an ugly cunt you are and blah, blah, blah. I took Ava back at the time. Of course, he gave her back and I went upstairs and I shut down. I, I couldn't feel anything. Then there was a time, I think the last time we had an argument, uh, where he said something and then went upstairs and I said, no, 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 no. And I was going up after after him through the stairs and I said, no, get out of my room. You're not allowed in my room. Go downstairs and go do whatever you want in the living room. And he dragged me up the stairs and grabbed my throat and slammed me against the floor and sat on top of me and was about to punch me. But he didn't. But he did choke me for a good few minutes where I stopped breathing. And when I got up, I was like, I was trying to get a hold of my breath. And he was like, stop being so dramatic. I didn't even fucking touch you. I went into my room. Ava was already there. And I shut the door and I just leaned against the door. And I, I, I just shut off. Again, I had no tears. I didn't feel anything. I was very numb. The next day... Of course, I I'd known he cheated. I know he'd he'd done. Uh, he cheated with on me in America as well. And now you might question why did I keep a hold of him? And my answer to that is now when I look back is, I thought that was love. I thought that's what I deserved. For years I'd struggled with self worth self-value, 
self-confidence, self-esteem. You know, always being waking up to being called ugly, fat, disgusting, non-lovable, a bitch, a whore, a slut, all the names that you could think of. So yeah, eventually when you keep on saying like a broken record to someone, they eventually start believing that and that's all they think of. And then of course, growing up in a broken home, I thought this was normal. I thought pain was normal. And it's very sad to say that. But when he left, uh, it was the day after he slammed me against the floor and was on top of me. He went downstairs and then he was like, he booked a flight. He got his dad to send him money and he booked a flight and he said, I'm leaving. And when he said that to me and he showed me he'd booked it, I got all of his things, literally all of his things. And I put them in the black bin bag and I put them outside and I said, now you can fuck off. And he went. And for the first three months, we didn't have no conversation when he was in, when he went back to America. And then he was like, uh, you're still my family. You're my wife. That's my daughter, my family. And I want you here. I want you to come and join me. I have a job and blah, blah, blah. And I was and I was about to try one week. I literally got Ava's visa and stuff. And then I stopped. Because. He said to me, oh, just send Ava across. Like, I got the vibes of if I went over there, he would take Ava away from me. And he would file a case against me. That was the kind of words he was using. That's how very um, planned and strategic the words were. And I kind of, I just had this this gut instinct that this is what's going to happen. So I I stopped. And I said, no, I'm not coming there. I'm not joining you. We're over. I said, we're over. I'm done. I'm not running after you anymore. That's when he started texting me. And I still have those texts as proof because, again, I've applied for divorce and I've submitted the paperwork and he refuses to sign. And on my divorce, it does say, you know, give the reasons of why you want your divorce. And it said on there, physical violence, aggression, mentally emotionally abused you know to the point where I had to actually go to a counselor because he made me feel so crazy within myself that I went to the counselor and I said is my husband right am I crazy and she said and by the end of my counseling session she was like you're not crazy you're perfectly fine but you're in a very 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 abusive relationship and he sent me pictures. <laughs> this was funny because I sent him a message. I said, after I think a month of not saying it's over, I said, look, I still want you being part of Ava's life. It's not fair. She deserves her dad. She deserves a family. So, you know, I can, if with the promise that you will send her back, I can send her over to you. She can spend some time with you and the family and then you send her back. And his words were, no, she's your daughter. I never want to see, I don't have anything to do with her. And, you know, I'm so much better off without you. And then he started sending me pictures. He goes, oh, look, I just fucked this girl and she's so much better than you. She's beautiful. You're, 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 uh, what do you call it? Your body is ugly. You stretch marks and, you know, um, 
you're a used good and just vile 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 things that i that like you know some of the vile things that he said to me and i still have them in proof i still have those text messages you know um during that time when i say i suffered the aftermath for the first month i would cry in the bathroom my mom didn't know my kids didn't know i would cry in the bathroom and when i would come out of the bathroom i would be perfectly fine it wasn't so much so of the fact that he left no i was happy he left but i was left in tremendous amount of debts because of him because i financially supported him for the two years that he was with me i did everything i could in my power i took care of the house i took, i did everything on my paycheck that was only 1100 at the time so i had to take out loans to get his legal paperwork done his stay done his visa done residency everything from his clothes his shoes his food his work stuff everything i did and it was in my name so by law i am liable to pay that back for the first month it was very hard because i was going back to work at this point maternity was over and every time at work i would see a couple or i would see a family i would feel so bitter and angry and i would blame myself that what kind of a mother am i that i could not provide a good home for my kids or a family or a loving loving dad i've done the same thing again for ava how could i do this and in that i realized i would end up crying on the shop floor in front of my managers or in front of my colleagues and it got so bad that i had to ask my manager can i take my month holiday right now and she said yes you can and i took a month off work and i literally just just stayed home and tried to calm myself down after that this was in beginning of 2019 I I moved on with my life. I was single. I struggled for a bit. I was I was still very numb. I was still trying to work on myself. I was trying to understand everything, but it got to a point where some of the emotions I had shut off, but I had I'd I was healing. I was still healing. I was working. on myself. I was processing what happened. I was processing everything. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't process everything. I still had a I still was very numb. I I couldn't find the words or the proper stuff way to understand the pain. It was pretty much like a switch had just turned off inside of me. And even till now that switch is turned off. it turned on like it turns on when i get triggered because of my mental health and my ptsd and i think that was when i discovered i have ptsd because i funny enough in this video this is the first time that i've ever said my daughter's dad's name i cannot say his name i used to shake but this is the first time i've said his name 
there's certain scents, fragrances that I can't smell like a man's cologne because he used to wear them. There's certain, you know, things that I can't do because it reminds me of him and I get scared, I get triggered, I, I panic. And I relive those memories. They're still at the back of my head. I, I can't process them properly because I still question why I let it happen. Why did I go so long? It's something that I am healing. I have healed, but it's still there. The memories are there. So for almost two years after that, you know, I was single and I worked on myself and I tried to do what I could. I healed. I got my confidence back. I was pretty much, you know, the happy-go person. I had my strength. I, yeah, I, I did work on myself, you know. I, I, I started fixing my finances. I started doing everything as small as I could. I started doing everything. I focused. I threw myself into work and I progressed in work and I did a lot there. But the point of me telling a story, sometimes we choose abusive relationships is because, or we fall into abusive relationships when people say, why can you just leave? Why can you not just leave? Why can you not just go? Or when they say, well, you should have healed and worked on yourself. It's easier said than done. Because sometimes, and what I've realized in my life, the biggest thing I have, I have attachments. I get attached. Because something that I've never had in my childhood and I've always dreamt of is love. I've never had it. I've always dreamt of that one person that I could call my own person. And it's very hard. It is. And every time... That I've looked for that person. Or I've thought I found that person. My world always fell apart. I got betrayed. Or I got lied to. Or I got hurt emotionally and physically. But growing up. That's all I knew. I thought that was love. I thought that's how people accept you because I couldn't see myself in a better light. I couldn't see my self-worth. I couldn't see my value. And I think that's the biggest thing that still to this day affects me. I know who I am now. I know my worth. I know who I am. I know exactly what I want. I know my boundaries. And I know my truth. But one thing that, you know, and I think a lot of people out there. So, you know, when you say to someone that, oh, you should be on your own. And I think I learned this from my ex. That you should be, you should be able to do things by yourself. Or when my ex said to me, oh, you don't have your life together. You're not stable. You're mentally unstable. And you always rely on other people. No, I don't rely on anybody. The struggles that I've gone through, the pain that I've gone through in my life, the most darkest moments that I've seen in my life, even after being a mother, I I struggled alone. 
I didn't have anybody to talk to. I never shared my problems with anyone. I never shared my darkest moments with anybody. I never even, nobody knew what happened between me and my daughter's dad. Nobody. Till I opened up and everyone was shocked. Really? This is what happened? Because I was so good at putting up a mask and just pretending everything is okay. Because I, I would pretend. It was, it was just, it just came naturally. I would pretend everything's fine. I put a smile on my face and carry on with my day. Point is, there's many other people out there and those people that tend to, you know, when someone says to you that I'm tired and exhausted of fighting life alone. Believe me, that person is tired. It doesn't mean that they can't be alone. They can. Trust me, they can be alone. But for once in their life, they want someone to come and help them. Someone to be there for them in that loving way that they should. Someone to see their worth. They know their worth. They know what they they are. Trust me. But they just want someone else to come and appreciate them. And love them the way they deserve to be loved. And stick to their promises. And stick to their truth. And stick to what they say. And stick to all the you know dreams they give them. And help them build with them. And tell them that there is something different in life than pain. So the next time when you know someone says to you. I'm tired of fighting alone. I'm tired of fighting my battles alone. Believe me. That person needs that love. That kindness. In whatever which way form you want to give it to them. Whether it be a friend. Family being you know the love of their life they need that because they're tired you know how exhausting it is to mentally battle with yourself and to pick yourself up every time you fall down to battle the negative negative thoughts that you get to battle all the emotional abuse you get the physical abuse yeah, it's it's a hard one. It's not easy. It's not easy. So, that's my story. It's not an easy story. And a lot of people are going to say, why couldn't you leave? Again, I grew up abandoned. I grew up in neglect. I grew up in abuse. That's all I knew. As a child, I thought that was love. I thought I'm not going to get anything better. When you, as a child, have never had any attention, any appreciation, any love, as you grow older, the smallest attention you get, whether it be good or bad, you hold on to it with your dear life. It is practically like as if you're drowning and someone gives you a finger and you're like, no, just give that to me because I, it will save my life. That's your thought pattern at that moment. That's, 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 that's how you behave. And it's something, unfortunately, 
It takes time to get out of that space. It takes time and growth. Not everyone's able to get out of that that headspace. Or, you know, think better or believe in themselves. It takes a lot of work to do that. And now I'm at a stage in my life, yes, I've I've just come out of a relationship and a lot of there was a lot of similarities to, you know, whatever. I had to experience that as well again. But where I stand today, I believe in myself so much. I look back and I look at all the times that people have underestimated me, that have broken me, that have hurt me, betrayed me, whether it be emotionally, physically, whatever, or took from me. I'm still standing here no matter how many dark moments I have had. I'm still alive. You know, I have a tattoo on my on my wrist and the quotes on it is too wild to live, too rare to die. Too wild to live resonates and relates to me is because I'm a free person. I'm very free-spirited. I'm spontaneous. I'm fun. I'm a bubbly person. I'm very kind-hearted. I will take the shirt off my back to give it to you. I'm a bit reserved. I have trust issues. I don't trust easy. And I have a story. Many people want to call that a baggage, which recently someone said to me, you come with a lot of baggage, Oma. Well, I mean, I think everybody comes with a certain amount of baggage. Nobody is rid of that baggage. Just because you think you're living your best life doesn't mean that you don't come with baggage or you've healed yourself. Not really. It takes guts to sit by yourself and face the most darkest parts of you. To face your past, to face that pain and trauma and then talk about it or let it go. Or forgive and not hold resentment and bitterness and anger towards anybody. Just forgive, simply. It takes a lot of courage to do that. So everyone comes with a little bit of baggage. Some have more, some have less, doesn't matter. Baggage is baggage. But, you know, yeah, that's my story. And I'm not the only one who's been through something like that. There's tons of other people who've been through something very, very similar. So my point across would be, you know, if you, it's okay. You're going to get there in time. But if there's one thing you can take away, realize the patterns. Realize what are you doing. Realize where you're at. Realize, do you want to keep on taking that abuse or that negativity? Start working on yourself. Start being happy within yourself. Don't take shit from nobody. Don't let anybody underestimate you, no matter who the fuck they are. If you know deep down inside of you, you are a good person. You're kind-hearted. Don't give a fuck what someone says. But never, you know, you might have a moment, you might have a downer where you're, a lot of people are coming at you and, you know, you're in pain and you just want to give up on your life. I've, I've been in those moments. Don't. Don't give up. Differentiate between it.
you want to live your life, but you want to give up on that pain. So, hopefully my story reaches someone, you know. Anyways, guys, this has gone on for too long, so I'm going to cut it short. <laughs>